0: Hey, what's up? Welcome back to the show. This is, of course, David Scales bringing you our second installment ever of a five-minute recap, this time featuring the Margaret River Pro for 2018. These five-minute recap episodes are brought to you by fanatic.com. You can use our promo code podcast. You will get your first month free, and then you'll support these five-minute recap shows and Surf Splendor Network at large. So if you could do that, I would appreciate it. Um, Fanatic is essentially the Netflix for fins. They'll mail you fins to your house. You can use them as long as you want. Send them back. Everything Is covered all the postage back and forth is covered in your $10 monthly subscription fee so it's really inexpensive I think we all kind of hate buying fins they are expensive and you don't know which fins are best for a given board until you try them so it's a big commitment fanatic.com solves that problem and then here's another great thing that I've never mentioned before is you can actually buy used fins from them as well at a much lower cost than you would buy them new at the store so Um, it's just a great service. Check it out, support them, and then they will, of course, support this show. All right, without further ado, here is the five-minute recap for the Margaret River Pro. Start your clocks now events are supposed to answer questions, close the gap, define who is the best surfer at Margaret River, and build anticipation for who is the best surfer of 2018. John John Florence foreshadowed the answer to the who is the best surfer of 2017 question when he won this event last year with now legendary surfing. Disappointingly, Those turns also turned out to be the highlight of this 2018 event as they played in between each of the 24 men's heats that were surfed in this year's event. That's right, 24 heats of the scheduled 47 heats required to run an event. An event that was canceled due to two shark attacks that occurred in nearby beaches. Beaches in between two of our event venues, Main Break and North Point. Both surfers survived those attacks, one with very serious wounds, the other with a harrowing video captured by an onlooker on the beach. That survivor, Jason Longgrass, was attacked, fought free from the shark, and then body surfed in, missing his first attempt at a wave, which you can imagine how frightening that would have been to miss. And then he actually caught the second wave. And I've linked to that footage on surfsplendorpodcast.com. But because of these incidences... The WSL erred on the side of caution and canceled the rest of the Margaret River Pro. The mid had completed two rounds and the women had completed three. The Margaret River Pro was established in 1985 and has run consecutively since, sometimes as a CT, sometimes as a QS, and with inconsistent sponsorship, sometimes sponsored by various agencies in the Western Australian government itself. Traditionally, the event has been held at main break, Which is unique on tour because it's the only open ocean wave, harnessing powerful energy over a vast playing field with lots of moving water and often strong surface winds. In recent years, the event has been improved by the addition of two nearby alternative venues, The Box and North Point, each worthy of their own event but rarely consistent enough to offer up the 332 high-quality waves over a -a four-and-a-half-day window to run both the men's and and the women's side. The box and main break are more exciting waves, so the WSL surfers and fans alike hope to run at least one complete round at each venue per event. After the trials event at main break and after two lay days, the Margaret River Pros webcast hobbled to a start on day three at North Point. The webcast was scheduled to begin at 7:15 a.m., but instead asked viewers for patience while they sorted out technical difficulties. The stream started with eight minutes left in a specialty heat where one Jack Robinson had already amassed an 18 plus point heat total over a wild card whose name, sadly, I can't remember. And I went to research it, yet I can't find that heat or any of the um, information on the WSL's website. So these two surfers finished an equal third in the trials event, but in the subsequent two days, Kaio Abelli was forced to withdraw from the main event due to an ankle injury he sustained on a layday free surf, thereby leaving one more spot open into the event. This was a blessing for fans of surfing, sorry Kaio, as Jack Robinson is one of the most exciting and talented surfers in the world and an absolute savant at his home break of North Point. Unfortunately, the bulk of the trials event ran at main break, where Jack lost, thought he was out, until he got a call from Commissioner KP while drowning his sorrows in chocolates. It's been a crazy 24 hours. I, was, I got knocked out of the trials, and I was just like, oh, well, that's all dude, to now. I'm just, you know, cruising. I was eating all these chocolates, like whatever, you know, the comp's not on, not, not worried. Kieran calls me last night, and I'm like, oh, you must be asking me about the swell, But no, he wouldn't call about the swell unless it was important. So I was like, well, all right, yeah, I'll be there. Robbo's diet served him well as he put on an absolute clinic in that specialty heat. And then again in round one where he smoked Owen Wright and Miguel Pupo. In the event, more than usual, the frailties of the wildcard concept were highlighted. The concept is designed to have the world's best, most well-rounded, seasoned surfers compete against the best local surfer, whose likely advantage is a knowledge of that specific break. Unfortunately, too often the local wildcards are simply not world-class surfers, and even when they are, they lack a certain competitive savvy and comfort to perform in the jersey. In this event, we got both those examples. We had Jack Robinson, uh, Cale Walsh, and then Mikey Wright, who were uninhibited by the jersey, constantly on the best waves and finding sections that previously went unnoticed, And then unfortunately, the other local wildcards displayed the stark contrast in ability level and wherewithal. The tour is already bloated with surfers, making it very difficult to run an event during one swell window and making it difficult to maintain a high level of entertainment for the viewers. So, unfortunately, wildcard David Delroy Carr losing in round two with a 5.43 heat total is not good for anyone, yet it happens with regularity in events throughout the year. We need to rethink how wildcards get into an event, or the local wildcards anyway, and we need to consider following the UFC's lead and place the reward on excitement. If you ask anyone in Margaret River or any of the CT surfers who should be in the event, they'll tell you. Jay Davies, Jack Robinson, and then keep an eye on Kale Walsh. Over on the women's side, Bronte McCullough was able to benefit from both competitive savvy and her local knowledge, as she surfed the best I've ever seen her surf and really lived up to a lot of the potential that she showcased. I was eager to see her surf against number one, Stephanie Gilmore, in the quarterfinals where she landed, but unfortunately, that wasn't to be. Another storyline that we're following here on this show is the rookie performances throughout the year. Colapinto, Carmichael, Godauskas, Hermes, they all lost in round two, while Yago Dora, Michael Rodriguez, and injury replacement Michael February all made it into the final round, round three. Jordy Smith continues his quest to find the right surfboard shaper to work with as he vies for a world title. This time he showed up riding a board shaped by his coach, Chris Gallagher. It looked great in all conditions. He surfed unbelievably well in the event and in a free surf at main break on the day of the shark attack. Just as John John Florence redefined how main break could be surfed in 2017, he began to threaten that again in round one at North Point. His ability to transition speed from a down carve into a bottom turn and then through a snap was so seamless and fast and refreshing and raw. The amount of speed through it was the key and none of it was diffused. And he did it all with zero awkwardness nor hesitation, just this supremely natural look and ability in a way that only Jack Robinson shares at North Point. Again, as was the case with Bells with Felipe's free surf clip, the most viewed clip from Margaret River this year will not be a wave surfed in the event. It will be the shoving match that transpired between Jesse Mendez and Mikey Wright in the parking lot at North Point. Not really so much a shoving match as just Jesse shoving Mikey. And apparently during the free surf at North Point, it was crowded. Mikey had scored some good waves. Jesse hadn't gotten anything for an hour. A good one came towards Jesse. Mikey back paddled him, out positioned him, took off on the wave. And then Jesse knowingly took off in front of Mikey. And Mikey just kind of slingshot around him and then got shacked all the way down the line to the end of the wave. It was actually an epic wave. Jake Patterson filmed the waves and then filmed the following altercation in the parking lot and then posted it on Instagram. It caught fire and everyone from Tom Carroll to Kelly Slater to Jadson Andre chimed in, many of whom shamed Jake Patterson for posting the footage. Jake eventually deleted the post and apologized for fanning the flames. I've got the footage over on surfsplendorpodcast.com. This was a highlight of the event for me. It generated more of my personal interest in the actual surfing that would take place in the heats, and I think that it'll generate more fan interest at large. Stories like this prop up the surfing that happens in the event. Just as with Peter King's fun, albeit soft, tour notes series, the stories behind the scenes elevate and add richness and context to the surfing that takes place during the heats. And with this specific case... Mikey's hassling in the free surf riled up his competitors. Perhaps his behavior is sincere, but other surfers should consider using it as a tactic. Sticking to one's own game plan is key to success, and the game starts way before heat begins. So Mikey is asserting his game plan. Mikey is psyching other surfers out, and to be honest, Jake Patterson is an accomplice. No doubt this incident raised Mikey's profile both in the world at large and then among competitors who will have to face Mikey in the future, he's in their head already. I was actually a bit disappointed when the People on Tour Instagram account posted footage the next day of Jesse and Mikey hugging it out and apologizing to one another. It's nice that they are friends in real life, but it doesn't bode well for competition nor for fans. They need to lean into these things. We need to let these things simmer. Let the viewing audience pick sides and passionately battle it out on the internet. Can you remember a single wave that Sonny Garcia ever surfed in a contest jersey? Probably not. Do you remember his presence on tour? Of course you do. It's larger than life. Competitors and commentators still reference the legacy of Sonny Garcia's intimidation. We need new long shadows to be cast in this current tour. The cancellation of this event leaves a lot of unanswered questions. How will this affect the title race? The WSL stated that they would like to finish this event at a different location later in the year, I think that would help keep all the math straight for accumulating points towards a world title, but it seems logistically very unlikely. Ultimately, I think that not finishing this event will compress the numbers and make it a much tighter title race that might include a larger number of contenders and hopefully come down to a very final heat at Pipeline, which it rarely does. Unfortunately, for John John's aspirations for a third consecutive world title, that race might not include him as he has a two 25ths and now a 17th going into the fourth stop of the year. This also begs the question, what will happen to the Margaret River Pro? Will the emergence of wave pools and the already saturated schedule in Australia and the high cost of maintaining three contest sites for this one event and the lack of sponsorship for this year's event and the current plans to reshuffle the 2019 calendar? Will that affect the Margaret River Pro from existing in 2019? Did Coco Ho surf the final wave ever of the Margaret River Pro? We'll see. But if so, it was a 2.83 and she lost the heat with an interference. A small metaphor for an anticlimactic finish with so little resolution. We'll see you in Brazil.